Welcome to Whatever the Case, Stryker's official ASC podcast, which features interviews with leading experts in the ASC space, focused on the clinical, operational, and financial considerations that go into ASC ownership. We hope to bring you valuable perspectives and insights to enhance your understanding of the ASC market. Because whatever the case, we've got you covered. Twenty twenty three is quickly coming to a close, and today we are rounding out the year, discussing some of the key dynamics within the ASC industry this year, and an outlook at the year ahead. I'm really excited to be joined today by someone who I believe is one of the best people to have this conversation with, and that is Michael Patterson. Michael is the chief executive officer of Mississippi Valley Health, which encompasses Mississippi Valley Surgery Center and Endoscopy Center and their Development Corporation. Michael is the current past president of the Ambulatory Surgery Center Association, or ASCA, and still serves as the chairperson for the Government Affairs and Finance Committees. Chances are, if you are connected to the ASC industry, you've met Michael. And in addition to his 20-year professional career in healthcare, Michael has served over 23 years in both the active and reserve components of the U.S. Navy as a trauma nurse. He has received many medals for his service and retired from the Navy with full honors in 2012. So first, Michael... Thank you so much for your service to our country, and also thank you for joining us today. I'm glad to be here, Dana. Thank you for asking me. Awesome. Well, before we get started, feel free to give us a little bit more of an intro on yourself. All right. Thanks, Dana. Uh, happy to be here and appreciate the uh, the opportunity to uh, discuss kind of uh, what's going on in 23 and what we're looking for in 24, uh, especially with our uh, relationship with Stryker and uh, really happy to be in the ASC space. I've been in the, uh, the space for uh, a number of years and uh, looking forward to uh, you know, what's going to happen in the, in the next uh, few. All right. Well, we'll jump right in. Um, I'm really excited about the topics we're going to cover today and um, We'll just get right into the conversation. So um, when we think about 2023 as a whole, rounding out the year, in your opinion, what are three key takeaways to summarize the ASC market in 2023? So in my opinion, ASCs are still the right choice for patients having outpatient surgery. Uh, Quality outcomes remain high. Uh, I believe we uh, mitigate costs for both patients and payers. Uh, Surgeons and anesthesia providers have a greater say-so in how patients are cared for. And staff is really focused on outpatient surgical care, uh, which then I I feel leads to uh, better outcomes. Now, ASCs are not insulated from the challenges of healthcare and the economy in general. Uh, We have to be laser-focused on culture, productivity, volume growth, uh, supply chain management, uh, quality billing and business office operations, and also keeping an eye to the future for developing opportunities to expand not only the patients and providers, but the communities we serve. I think one other uh, key takeaway for uh, for this year and moving forward is participation. Um, we have to participate in the success of our ASCs. Organizations like our National ASC Association, ASCA, and the participation of the 6,000-plus ASCs in our country are needed to ensure we have a voice in legislative and policy matters. For example, key physician stakeholders and the association were instrumental, I believe, in getting total joint arthroplasty approved over the last several years. And now, recently, we've added shoulders and ankles to that opportunity. Without participation from all of us in the ASC community and ASCA, that never would have occurred. Um, We also need to be actively involved at the state level. Uh, There are some significant variations of our state rules and regs that apply to ASCs. As such, we need to participate at the state level to ensure regional success of our ASCs. We have a duty to educate legislators and continue to push for access to all the great services that ASCs can provide, especially when we factor in lower cost, high quality. It seems like a simple thing to do, but the reality is we are all busy, and if we don't take the time to participate, then we all lose. When we take the time to educate, 
and participate, we all win, as evidenced by some recent changes from CMS. I would also recommend attending the National ASC Conference in, or, in order to hear from the best and the brightest, as well as other ASC-focused conferences, such as Becker's and others. Lifelong learning is a key to success, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. And I know when we were kind of discussing some of these things ahead of time, I think, um, especially in an industry like the ASC industry that is still rapidly growing, very much evolving, um, participation from those within the community is is key to just ensure that you know members of this community are advocating for the changes that they want to see and um just really getting in the trenches and, and making a difference so thank you so much for for pointing that out yeah. and i think that you know we should have uh uh the the senior veterans of the asc uh, community as well as our our new people that are in there both participating together and learning from one another and uh, the more we do that i think the better uh the asc community will be Mm-hmm. And aside from attending conferences and maybe meeting with like your state and local legislator, like what are some other things that individuals can do to get involved? I think really understanding uh, what goes on, not only locally, regionally, but nationally, uh, uh, educational conferences, uh, reach out to your uh, state associations, as well as the national association, and ask if there's, you know, if there's something that you're passionate about, uh, if it's uh, education, if it's uh, the legislative factor and how ASCs are, you know, seen and viewed in, in D.C. and uh, uh, at the state level. I think if you have a passion for, for something, you know, reach out to those folks that, that, are, in the, that are in the ASC space and, and ask just you know, how do, how do I help? How do I participate? And I think that uh, uh, you'll be, uh, you should be greeted with open arms and, and we can find a place for folks uh, to really uh, provide some wisdom and insight and to, to learn, quite frankly, uh, about this great uh, ASC community. Great. So um, if we look ahead to 2024, um, I agree with, you know, your other comments about 2023. There certainly have been a lot of challenges this year. Um, and the ASC still is an amazing option for patients. Um, but when we think into 2024, what do you believe are some of the key, you know, headwinds and tailwinds kind of looking at the year ahead? Uh, Dana, I think that uh, there's a lot going on, not just um, within the ASC space, but within healthcare in general. Um, and ASCs are going to have to continue to evolve their business model. Uh, previously, ASCs, we've enjoyed a strong independence mindset. And as we think about the evolving landscape of healthcare, we're going to have to consider models that optimize our long-term growth strategies. Certainly, there are geographic areas where this is not a key driver yet, but looking to the future, uh, the ASC community will most likely need to think about how we utilize assets such as administration, back office, clinical teams, et cetera, across multiple settings and or locations. Uh, a system of ASC if you will, uh, that serve different locations yet have a unified leadership structure and the ability to reallocate clinical assets across different sites will help to keep costs down and allow for maximum, maximum flexibility. I think that uh, we really have to think about our business models and, and um, how we're going to uh, ensure that we're meeting the needs of um, surgeons, patients, um, and, our, and our local healthcare community. And when you think about the ASC market, you know, generally considered very, very fragmented. Obviously, this type of thinking brings us in a different direction to something that is a bit more consolidated, it sounds like. So is anyone doing this really well right now? Are we seeing a lot of this where we're seeing kind of like a system, if you will, of ASCs? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that, uh, um, you know, some of the larger players, uh, the uh, SCA, uh, USPI, AmSurge, um, those larger uh, entities that have uh, hundreds of ASCs um, do that, uh, you know, via specific markets. And uh, uh, typically they have, you know, really good leadership and uh, they're looking at ways to, you know, not only just uh, 
maximize the resource uh, allocation, um, but also making sure that they're partnering with physicians and in a lot of cases with health systems as well. Um, but now I think, you know, the other the other piece of that is ASCs also have to be aware of a, a growing trend of the health system employed physicians. Um, there are some forward thinking health systems that are allowing and encouraging employed surgeons to have an ownership and a clinical presence in an ASC, but others are not as they look to keep as much revenue within their hospitals. Um, this growing trend of employment, I think, is going to hamper the ability for new ASCs to start and for long tenured ASCs to replace their retiring senior surgeons. Uh, keeping the independent surgeon model intact will be a significant factor in the long-term success of our ASCs. Uh, and I think that uh, when you think about the, the larger companies, and, and now we've got some new entrants uh, by some smaller to, to medium-sized companies that are that are helping uh, folks within the uh, SC, uh, ASC community uh, to achieve some of these goals. I, I think there's there's models out there. Um, I've seen them. Some work really well. I think some still have some, uh, some opportunities for improvement. And it'll just be uh, a lot of that is market-driven. I think the other thing that, uh, you know, we did hear uh, a lot about um, over the last year or two, some longer, are alternative payment models. And I think those are going to continue to grow. Uh, I think five or seven years ago, we, handled, we entered into our first uh, uh, same-day bundled arrangement here. And I think we now have well over a dozen of them. And uh, as we start to see uh, uh, self-employed, uh, self-funded employers looking at how do they mitigate some of their healthcare costs, we're seeing the rise of this alternative payment uh, model. And I think ASCs need to be at the table and capitalizing uh, on these opportunities. Same-day bundle arrangements uh, for these folks are continuing, and ASC should be a good part of that, uh, that opportunity. Um, a same-day bundle allows for a much easier billing uh, structure for our patients. Uh, one cost with all the associated services that typically go into a surgical experience is a significant benefit to patients. Um, they don't have to worry or try to understand uh, why they're getting several bills, i.e. from the surgeon, the facility, anesthesia, and any uh, potential lab or pathology a one-stop shop, if you will, uh, so we can change the narrative around billing and just let the patient focus on preparation and recovery from their surgery. Anything we can do to ease the burden of patients will reinforce the value of their uh, ASC experience. Uh, there are some emerging companies that have a nice platform for bringing these types of opportunities into the ASC space, and I think uh, the forward-thinking organizations will, uh, as previously stated, they'll capitalize on these uh, types of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly um, alternative payment models and some of these direct to employer agreements seem like win-win wins, you know, for the center and the surgeon, the patient um, and the employer. So agree. And um, personally excited to see kind of how those develop in the year ahead. We, and we have continued to see a literally a year over year growth in the participants in those alternative payment models. And, uh, and once, once you kind of get your head wrapped around how the mechanics of it work, um, and if you've got a, a team that knows how to do those things, uh, it really is uh, a, a benefit for patients. And quite frankly, they, they enjoy the ease of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So shifting ahead, obviously, you know, last month we were all, well, some of us were surprised to hear that CMS decided to add total shoulder replacement to the ASC covered procedures list. Um, so definitely good news for, for the ASC. So thinking about shoulders and kind of this ongoing shift of higher acuity cases to the ASC, what pace do you see shoulders shifting in 2024? Well, I imagine we'll see the shift of uh, total shoulders into the ASC space at a faster rate, quite frankly, uh, than we saw with knees and hips. Uh, successful ortho ASCs have been doing these types of cases for years on patients covered by commercial insurance. Uh, the uptake for patients covered by Medicare should occur rather quickly and will be a nice benefit for those patients. Um, a few data points uh, to, to hit here. Uh, if we look at total knee replacement, you know, in 2020, when it was approved, uh, a little less than 13% of the total volume of TKAs were done on Medicare beneficiaries in an ASC. In 2021, that number increased almost 22%. Um, the other interesting factor is that 
overall volume of total knee arthroplasty for Medicare beneficiaries, regardless of setting, did not increase. In fact, it was flat. So we're not seeing abuse, rather just the shift from a higher cost setting to a lower cost setting, which is what is needed more of, uh, quite frankly, uh, in this country to, to offset our rising healthcare costs. Combine that with our quality outcomes, and it's a win-win for patients and for CMS. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, a few conversations I've been having with administrators. It definitely seems as though if you're already doing total joints, you should be pretty prepared to start up with shoulders um, soon after the first of the year. And, um, you know, obviously, if you're not doing total joints yet, there's some some things that your center is going to have to do to get ready. But um, really excited to kind of see how shoulders migrate. So um, good news for patients and, and good news for these centers. Yeah, I know uh, we have a, a couple surgeons here that, that are excited about the opportunity. Uh, you know, we we have been doing at Mississippi Valley Surgery Center uh, total joints uh, since 2006 on uh, on commercial covered uh, patients. And obviously we have seen that growth from about three to 400 cases a year to last year, uh, uh, just around 800 uh, total knee and total hip uh, replacements done in our facility. So I would expect that, uh, you know, we'll continue to see a nice uh, steady rise in the, in the uh, total joint replacements that are done in ASCs. And, and like you said, Dana, it does make sense. If you're already doing these, it makes it a lot easier to just transition and add some of these others, uh, where if you're not, it, it, it will probably take a little more thought and planning as you as you move to uh, uh, see those uh, Medicare patients transition into your facilities. Mm-hmm. Yep. So any thoughts on where CMS maybe fell short with their ruling for 2024? Uh, that's a little bit of a loaded question, but uh, we'll, uh, I think where CMS still has some opportunities uh, regarding the shift for total joint replacement is in the weight scaler, which can be difficult to explain. But in essence, uh, CMS continues to operate in silos when developing outpatient surgical payments, even though our payment system is tied to HOPDs. Uh, complexity adjustments are another area for potential updating. Uh, while we appreciate the policy being extended to ASCs, there are plenty of code combinations that should be eligible for a complexity adjustment in the ASC setting because the add-on code represents additional costs, including spine procedures is another example. I think the other area for improvement would be regarding quality reporting. CMS has some opportunities here in identifying quality metrics that will actually benefit patients and also help facilities to improve their processes. Currently, the development of quality metrics has little to do, in my opinion, with facility-dependent outcomes and needs to shift to those metrics that can be measured, reported, and are actionable rather than metrics tied to billings or just individual physician performance. Tough item to get right, but with input from state and national ASC leaders, I think that uh, we can do this through some collaboration and a deliberate focus on measurable patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, good points on a few of those things there. You know, obviously, quality and quality metrics Um, you're hearing a lot about and just the burden that it puts on centers, especially if it's not really um, measuring anything that's really impactful, (laughs) I'll say. Um, And the complexity adjustments as well, um, certainly opportunity to, you know, compensate and reimburse um, facilities for these more complex procedures that they're doing um, that ultimately will probably drive additional utilization of the ASC for those more um, complex procedures that right now could probably safely be done there, but just from a reimbursement perspective, don't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, ASCs are small businesses. Um, They do have to have enough margin to pay for quality staff, uh, make sure their facilities are up to date, uh, buy uh, the latest and greatest equipment that gets used on patients, um, mm-hmm. fund things like, uh, you know, the Mako robot or uh, other uh, advanced technologies that patients can really benefit from. And so in order to do that, there has to be margin there for that to occur. And and we want to continue to see uh, 
healthcare provided in the highest quality, lowest cost setting. And that becomes a win-win, not just for patients, but for the longevity of our healthcare system. Yeah. And uh, and the awareness around that, I think, uh, uh, in partnership with ASCA and, and others that uh, continue to educate legislators on, you know, how do we how do we make that happen? Well, is imperative. Absolutely. So um, when we think about everything that's gone on this year with the real estate market, the economy, inflation, you know, you name it, all of those things in consideration, what's your take on, or outlook, I suppose, on new centers opening in 2024 and beyond? Do you, do you think we'll see any slowing of, of new build ASCs? It's, it's interesting. I think you, you would think we would see a slowing of new centers being built given the significant increase in construction costs. Um, I think rather we'll see a more focused development plan for ASCs that will not slow down, but rather grow to meet the rising transition to outpatient procedures. Uh, health systems, physicians, management companies, and, and private equity are all looking for ways to meet the needs of patients. Uh, I believe a strong physician engagement and leadership will continue to see growth in the ASC space for years to come. Uh, but I think it'll be a lot more targeted and uh, focused around uh, either certain specialties, certain markets, uh, and uh, you know, looking for uh, success in, in those regards. Mm-hmm. And when you think about services and procedures, you know, in your opinion, what's going to be the, you know, the next joint replacement in the ASC, that next big procedure or group of procedures to shift? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that cardiology has been piquing the interest of most of the ASC operators for the last couple of years. There are some challenges associated with that transition, much like there was for TJR, uh, total joint replacement. Um, the major difference is that moving cardiology into the ASC space is the additional hurdle that surgery did 30 plus years ago, and that is getting patients and providers and payers comfortable with a new site of service. Uh, when total joints started to make the move, we were already doing other ortho procedures in the ASC setting. When we think about cardiology, that is a new transition altogether. And as such, we'll see some pushback probably from health systems as well as payers and, and CMS. I think the uptake will be faster than what we saw decades ago when that new and wild idea of doing surgery outside of a traditional hospital setting was first introduced. As long as we are delivered about the transition of cardiology from the traditional hospital setting into the outpatient setting, I feel we can make this successful by ensuring quality of care is present. Uh, Every physician that I know still believes firmly in that Hippocratic Oath of do no harm. Physicians want to treat patients in locations that offer safe and efficient care. The ASC community has been defined by those tenants over the years, which has led to much success. And I anticipate we'll continue to see that success with our cardiology partners. Okay. And, and when you think about cardiology moving to the ASC, will these be primarily freestanding cardiology centers? Is cardiology a service that will be added to existing centers? I think we're going to see both. Uh, you know, cardiologists have had uh, what's called an OBL, an office-based lab. We've seen the growth of that just within their office for office-based procedures. I think uh, uh, in some markets, a full ASC dedicated to just cardiology, if it's a large enough market, uh, might make sense. But I think the reality of it is it's a it's an easier bolt-on, so to speak, uh, to existing uh, ASC assets. And that way, it also mitigates some of the risk of uh, doing just one type of uh, uh, specialty. Or, or procedure in an ASC and the build-out costs associated with that uh, versus being able to use resources across a, a, a multitude of specialties. And I think the uh, the safer uh, play there is to find those quality ASCs in, in, uh, in those existing markets and find out how the cardiology folks partner with, with those existing assets. And uh, it probably makes a lot more sense to do it that way. But as previously stated in some markets, I think that uh, um, we will probably see some freestanding uh, cardiology-only ASCs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, So kind of moving on a little bit to other things, like when we think about ASC ownership and, you know, we're seeing 
a lot of hospitals um, really investing in their ASC strategy. We're seeing private equity enter um, the ASC market quite significantly. Obviously, management companies and those larger platforms are have growth plans in place. So how do you see ASC ownership changing in the years to come? I don't believe we'll see a major transition from what is currently happening in the ASC sector. Rather, I think we're going to continue to see growth in either current or newly developed models that lend to success for those specific markets. Uh, there will continue to be JVs that will involve same or similar players, physicians, hospitals, management companies, private equity, et cetera. Um, I think we'll see a steady trend line of growth in those markets that it makes sense. Uh, we'll continue to see alignment of quality assets uh, in order to meet a need both from a service and a financial standpoint. Uh, financial pressures on physicians continuing to grow. And whenever there is an issue such as decreasing reimbursement, increasing practice costs, talent shortages, and so forth, there will be those seeking to execute strategies that mitigate those issues. Um, those parties, whether they be physicians or health systems or management companies or uh, just investors in general, will look to solve for those issues. One way to do that is through the development or acquisition of quality assets uh, such as ASCs. The key will be how do we engage new physicians to take some risk and have a vision for long-term success when we live in an everything now world. Mm -hmm. um, those physicians and their partners that understand the long-term success of any practice or ASC is tied to a, a commitment to ensure quality care and an efficient operating environment will realize those gains and in the long run will ultimately lead to their financial success. Yeah. If we continue to see physicians jumping from one location or practice to another in order to satisfy a short-term income goal, then I think we're going to see some struggle. It is a surprising statistic that was just released that says 53% of new physicians are changing jobs in their first two years of practice. That's a staggering number, in my opinion, and one that does not lead to long-term success for either the physician or the local healthcare community. Um, however, those that do stick around and build a practice typically see much greater success over the long term than those that uh, are just chasing immediate dollars. Uh, when physicians invest in their practice and ASCs, they're also investing in the long-term success of their communities. That's a win-win, in my opinion, and thus lends to the success of our ASCs in the, in the years to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really a staggering number, 53% of new physicians changing jobs. And I'm assuming that's, you know, physicians going independent that realize quickly, oh, gosh, this is, you know, more than I was expecting, or physicians going employed and realizing that, you know, maybe independence is what, what they really want. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, that's, that's a really staggering number. Yeah, I think, you know, we live in the in this world of the grass is always greener. Mm -hmm. And I think that typically it's just a different shade of green. And uh, when physicians can really understand what they're going to uh, you know, step into, either if they have made up their mind about physician employment by a hospital or health system, or they want to be an independent practice, uh, they have to understand that there are pros and cons to each one of those models. And uh, typically we see independent physicians over uh, a longer period, garner higher income, um, but there are some associated uh, uh, things that they need to do as part of that independent practice. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, as physicians really start to understand uh, uh, their own business models and, and what works, um, you know, well, I hope we, I hope we see some of these trend lines start to uh, uh, change over a period of time and people start to settle into uh, understanding that no matter what you do, employed, independent, hybrid, um, it's more about building a practice, building your name, creating relationships with partners and referring physicians and uh, doing the good work of healthcare. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, this has been a really great conversation. I appreciate all the perspective shared and your outlook on, on the year ahead. Um, really interesting stuff. So just kind of thinking about rounding things out here and um, any additional thoughts you have or anything else to share? 
Well, Dana, given this podcast is in conjunction with Striker, I think it is important to note that the vendors that service ASCs are also a big part of our success. Uh, when vendors such as Striker truly partner with ASCs, it creates a value proposition that allows both parties to realize success when the partnership works well. Striker's been consistently increasing their presence in the ASC space, uh, which I'm sure has clearly uh, strengthened their market position and allowed for growth in their partnered ASCs. Um, what is that old saying? Rising tides floats all boats. Mm-hmm. Uh, when vendors help facilitate the success of their ASC partner, uh, that creates a synergy for deeper relationships and further development into the areas we may not know exist at this moment. Um, as we look to the future, we must recognize success is not built alone, but rather be the partnerships we create along the way. Michael Patterson's opinions shared in this podcast are his own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or views of Stryker. To learn more about Stryker's ASC business, visit www.stryker.com slash ASC.